Hey guys, uh, welcome back to another session of uh, TRP brought to you by DiCappuccino. And we're starting 2022 with a very cool episode because I have a very cool person here for this session. Uh, he is an entrepreneur and also the CEO and co-founder of Surf as well as TrueFan. He's a TEDx speaker. He was also inducted into Plan Canada's top 20 under 20. Uh, recognized as LinkedIn's top voice, Startup Canada's Youth Entrepreneur of the Year, and also he was awarded United Nations Outstanding Youth Leadership Award. Uh, it is Mr. Swish Goswami. Hey, Swish, how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the intro. So, uh, guys, for those of you listening, this list is a lot more longer, but yeah, I can't go on and on. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, Swish, actually, before I ask you uh, about your startup, I want to firstly ask you. Uh, you got this a lot. Uh, how did this name Swish come up for you? Definitely, you know, my full name is Swarochish. Um, so my mom is Indian, and you know, I think my mom was able to pick my full name, and my dad uh, picked my nickname. And so my actual nickname is Manu, M-A-N-U, uh, but my full name is Swarochish, and so. Throughout kind of school, when I think I was in grade, you know, one, two, three, four, five, I went with Manu, and then I think I was going to a new school when I was going into grade six. So my mom was like, "Okay, you should tell everyone your full name." You know, I think we need to we need to tell people the full name now, not the nickname. So I was like, "All right, you know, I'll try." I gave them my my full name, and none of the teachers in Canada could pronounce Rorochish. Um, and so one of my teachers, who was my daily physical activity teacher, Mr. McWilliam. He decided to call me Swish. He took the first two letters, the last three letters of my name. I loved playing basketball, and uh, he thought it'd be a good nickname. It caught on. I went to high school. I told people my name was Swish, and uh, we kind of went from there. <laughs> wow. Uh, do you do you like have siblings who are named nothing but Net or Jam or something? Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, no. I'm on my only have one brother, and his nickname is Vinu. So he did not get any exciting right. nickname or anything like that. <laughs> you got the better deal. <laughs> I got the much better deal for sure. <laughs> All right. So speaking of basketball, I know you're a basketball fan. So this is a very uh, vague thing I'm going to make you do. I want you to like we're we're quite early though, but I want you to like you know make your prediction of who do you think is going to play the NBA Finals this season and who do you think is going to win. Oh, oh man, that's tough. Um, I mean, if it was up to me, I would uh, I would say. Probably the Lakers. I still believe in the Lakers. I'm a Lakers fan all all the way through. Um, I think the Lakers will will go up against the Brooklyn Nets. Probably. I think that's the final. Uh, you know, there's a chance that Milwaukee will make it over Brooklyn. Uh, I mean, there's a high chance actually. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Lakers will prove people wrong. I know they're 24 and 24 right now, and they haven't been playing too well. But I think they'll turn it around. And also, I mean, LeBron in the playoffs is a totally different animal. So yeah. Yep, that's that's the matchup we all want. So yeah, that's all everyone and, wants it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if this happens, yes, I can get back, like edit this clip again and put it up again. Uh, I know. So, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, switch, switch. So you started off this uh, company called uh, Surf, and I do have a small idea of it, but it would be great if you know you could elaborate and tell the listeners about what Surf is and what you're doing with Surf. Sure. Yeah, I actually just came off a rebrand. So we rebranded TrueFan,、uh, which is the company I've been working on for four years, to Surf.、Uh, and I'll just explain the whole origin story very quickly. You know, in our first year of building TrueFan, 
which was 20, oh wow, 2018 now. So when I was 20 years old, dropped out of college, decided to start TrueFen. And the initial idea for TrueFen was, can we build a platform that would help their, basically help any brand find who their top fans were. So we built an algorithm. It sorted your followers on Twitter and Instagram. It allowed you to see here are your most engaged followers, here are your most influential followers, broken down by location, by their followers, etc. And we gave that platform to brands. Uh, in our second year, we decided to add upon that platform. We not only allowed people to find their top fans, we allowed them to look at their competitors' top fans. So Nike could look at Adidas, Coke could look at Pepsi, etc. In our third year, we realized, okay, the world is going more towards first-party data. You know, third-party cookies are likely going to go away on the internet. You have GDPR and CCPA's privacy regulation that's changing the way that people advertise. You have the Apple iOS changes that are making it harder now for app developers to track people on their mobile phones. All of these changes are pointing to the idea that first-party data, i.e. opt-in data that you get from consumers directly, will become more important. Obviously, the golden question is, how do you get it? So in our third year, we built a giveaways platform um, and we started compensating people for their data by giving them the chance to win a prize. So if you wanted to share your data with Electronic Arts, you could do that and you'd get a token, basically, a lottery ticket to win a big Electronic Arts gaming bundle, for example. So that's what we did in our third year. We had about a million people in a year and a half share their data for the chance to win a prize. And that really got us thinking as a team, okay, what more can we do now to incentivize people to share their data? And we thought instead of giving people the chance to win a prize, why don't we just give them a guaranteed prize? Why don't we just give them guaranteed points for their data? And so that's what we did when we released the Surf browser extension. We released it about four months ago in late September, 2021. And essentially is a browser extension on Chrome, Opera, and Firefox, only currently available in North America, but a browser extension that gives people points for their everyday browsing. So browse the internet like normal, doesn't matter what websites you go to, you don't have to take surveys, you don't have to watch ads, we'll just give you points for your browsing data, and you'll be able to then use those points on items and gift cards and charities and coupons, etc. So we've done a really good job so far, close to 55,000 users now for Surf, which is why we actually decided to rebrand the entire company to Surf. Um, and so everything that we were doing before in terms of the work that we do with brands, that's now under something called Surf for Brands. So we have Surf for Brands, we have Surf, um, and within Surf for Brands, we obviously provide an analytics platform to brands as well as some really cool opportunities to enable commerce. Wow. Damn, that sounded so interesting. So uh, you just said about yeah. you know how you compensate people for their data. So what includes mm -hmm. data? Yeah, it's a great question. So when we were doing a giveaways platform in our third year, there was kind of a wide gambit for what that data included um, because the way we did it is when you came onto a giveaway, imagine you were signing up for the electronic arts giveaway. There were a number of you know things that you had to do, rules that you had to do in order to enter the giveaway. And so maybe one of them is, hey, sign up for a newsletter, in which case you would be sharing your email. Uh, another one could be sign up for our, our you know phone number list that would provide a phone number. Uh, another one could be, hey, follow us on Instagram. That would be obviously sharing your Instagram profile. So there's a wide gambit through giveaways of what sort of data we can take. With Surf as a browser extension, we only take URLs. We only collect URLs. So the same URL that you're currently giving to Chrome or Firefox, you're now going to be giving to us, except obviously we're going to be compensating you with points. And obviously Google doesn't compensate people for their data right now. 
so so every uh, example everything i type into the search bar you get points for that mm. for each and every search yeah for the browser extension essentially yeah any url that you go to uh mm-hmm. including the obviously the sub url so like within facebook where you're going that is all mm-hmm. shared with us and then it's worth noting all the data on our end is entirely encrypted um and on top of that when we do share data with brands like browsing data and web data with brands all of mm-hmm. that data is anonymized so no one will actually wow. know that oh you know R- Ryan went to these particular sites you're going to be grouped right. into a cohort an audience segment based on your mm-hmm. age your gender and your location so for an example you know Nike could now use our technology to understand what the most popular sites 18 to 24 year old males in Toronto are going to they wouldn't understand obviously specifically what Swish is doing but they would you know essentially be able to understand at a high level what this audience segment is doing on the internet right wow so so uh, right now you said you're just in the north in north america so uh, what do you think it could uh, you know example like since i'm from india uh, if you guys start up in a country like india and the population is so vast so uh, do you have plans of expanding and stuff Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have a waitlist already up and uh we already have 11,000 people signed up to that waitlist. And uh, the majority of those people come from places like India, the United Kingdom, South Africa, Australia and the Philippines. So I believe this year we'll probably go into one or two more regions. I think the next region we'll go to is the United Kingdom because GDPR as a privacy regulation obviously is quite pervasive there for brands. And then it's also worth noting that, you know, the UK is actually very similar to Canada, especially when it comes to consumers and what they expect and what they're used to. So we feel like it's kind of a logical next step to go to the UK, but I mean India right. candidly is my dream because obviously like you mentioned there's a massive population there and I think there's also uh every single day so many people that are coming onto the internet for the first time. You know, I was taking a look at stats for India. Their obviously literacy rate is one of the highest in the world. but what's actually really cool to also see is that the the internet uh connection rate in terms of how many people are plugged into the internet is mm-hmm. around only 35% um which means that every single day there are millions of new people that are coming onto the internet for the first time in India obviously this exists in other places in the world too i'm just saying in india it's exciting <laughs> because there's such a big population but yet there's such a kind of fairly small percentage of people that are really plugged into the internet especially on even 4g or 5g so i think that's pretty right. interesting to be able to see you know what a wide and big opportunity there might be if you're an early player for people coming onto the internet for the first time it's very true Uh so Swish yeah. actually uh, right now I want to ask you a, a different question apart from all of this so you uh, like you earlier said you dropped out of college at the age of 20 and you decided to start up your own venture so in regard with that uh, so now uh, let's say a, a a student or yeah somebody your age wants to let's not say yeah he he wants to drop out of college and he wants to start up something so he has to uh, go you know he does not have a funding you know he she does not have the funding to start up so they have to go to a mm. potential investor in order to get money to do that so you're an investor yourself as well so what do you think uh, are the few things someone has to do while they are going to you know pitch their idea to a businessman or whoever it is and to get some money what do they have to do like a few uh, you know from your expertise okay yeah. keep on Yeah, I think I mean, there's three things that you have to do if you want to get money, right? Number one is if you put yourself in the investor's shoes, they obviously want to see more than just an idea, right? In today's world, I think every single person has ideas. 
Um, there's no shortage of good ideas out there. Obviously, the people that do tend to get investment are the people that actually do something with their ideas. So, you know, if you're building out an app, can you get to the wireframe phase? Can you build out a prototype of the app before you even get funding? Because then it's more than just an idea. Maybe it's something that the investor can potentially interact with, play around with, give feedback on, and it's more visual. You know, if you're building out a service, you know, imagine you're doing a, a dry cleaning service. Can you go and actually set up a pilot where you get four or five customers that you don't even charge, but they just give you some good feedback. They give you testimonials that you can now put into your presentation. So early traction is really, really important. And especially if you have early customer feedback or user feedback, that's even more important to show a potential investor early on. The second thing is you obviously, I think you need to be prepared in the sense of you need to know your 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 stock. You need to know your space, your market, who your competitors are. You know, one of the things I hate is when I ask people like, who are the competitors in the space? And they're like, oh, there's no competitors. I mean, there's rarely no competitors in any space now, you know, until you, unless you're creating something that's very audacious. Um, most companies do have competitors globally, at least, if not locally, regionally, provincially, etc. So do your research, be as honest as you can about what you kind of see within the market and why you think you have an advantage. And then number three, candidly, is persistence. You know, you need to be ready to take a lot of no's. Um, in the last four years, I think I've probably gotten over 250 rejections from potential investors. I've also, however, gotten over 100 investors to sign up for our platform and invest in the company. So, you know, I think for the most part, early on, especially when we were getting 50, 60 no's, the good thing is that we kept going. You know, we kept thinking, hey, there has to be someone out there that loves our idea, that loves who we are and wants to take a chance on us. And it didn't mean, by the way, whenever we got no's, we did actually pay attention to why we were getting no's and we tried iterating our pitch and kind of working with the feedback they gave us to make our pitch better. But at the end of the day, you need to stick it out, especially if you believe in the idea. Um, those are three tips. But again, I would preface all of this to say that don't drop out of school, you know, mm -hmm. and immediately think that you have to get funding. You know, I'm actually quite pro college. I encourage people <laughs> to stay in school. But, you know, if you are going to drop out, you know, make sure that you have some of these points, this early points of traction, because it is going to be very important for you to have that. Don't just drop out with an idea, you know? Right. I was all hyped up for a second there. Like, okay, fine. Just throw on my yeah. books. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I preparing? Let me just leave why right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, Swish, uh, in terms of like, you know, um, uh, like so, so, so you achieved uh, success. Uh, obviously, you have you you will have much bigger goals that you want to achieve. But you actually came across success uh, in your life uh, over the past few years. So, so like many a times, people do get carried away. So, in terms of you know, uh, I'm I'm asking you this from a very different perspective. But yeah, like how how did you how was how were those days when you realized that you know you you achieved something very big that you never thought you would achieve. Like an example would be, you know, getting a blue tick on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, how did you like not get overwhelmed by such uh, aspects? I, I, you know, and this is maybe not a, uh, I don't know, this is a very pompous answer, but I, I just feel like I haven't reached that moment, you know, in my in my life yet. You know, I haven't, mm -hmm. like there are things obviously I'm proud about and I actually, one of the things I constantly am working on is making sure that I celebrate small wins because I think in the last few years, sometimes I've beaten myself up, you know, in the sense of I've, I've, I've told myself, oh, you're not moving fast enough. You're not doing, you know, things big enough. You're not thinking big enough. 
Um, so I've tried a little bit more often now a weekly to even look back and say, okay, what am I grateful for? But more importantly, what can I celebrate? You know, what were small wins during the week that I can feel good about? But again, like for me, the blue check on Instagram or, or speaking around the world or the social media followers or building a business, raising money, you know, all of this wasn't ever a goal of mine. You know, I think when you take a look at my broad goals, my broad goals is I want to directly go ahead and, and basically, especially within data and ownership, I want to lead to a paradigm shift. And that obviously is something we're at the very kind of early stages of doing, but that's something that continues to excite me. I want to direct a movie. You know, that's something I really want to do. It's on my bucket list. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to travel around the world. I've obviously been able to do that a little bit, but I want to do it even more. There's so many new places that I haven't been. Um, I want to be able to, to actually, you know, drive a Formula One car at one point in my life, um, which is why, you know, right now getting my license, also doing a lot of sim racing, getting involved in the F1, F2 community, you know, talking wow. to some of these people, learning from them. That's something I really want to do. I want to run for office one day. I mean, what I'm trying to say with all of these goals is that I have, I think, purposely created goals where I can hopefully never be satisfied. You know, and that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. You know, the bad thing is obviously I don't want to constantly beat myself up and feel like I'm not achieving things because I know I am. But the good thing is I always have something to chase and I'll probably never be complacent in my life, hopefully. Wow. Damn, you, you just inspired me, you know. I'm thinking a lot of other things that I dropped, I should have taken up and now I might consider taking them up again. Yeah, it's all step by step, you know. For, for me, like, everything is one step that leads to another in the sense of, you know, even when people talk to me, like, one thing they don't realize is everything that I do outside of surf, everything I do outside of my business mm -hmm. is actually connected directly to surf. You know, so when I do, for example, uh, a podcast interview with you or if I go speak about data and ownership or marketing or if I'm, you know, I have a book coming out in May about youth entrepreneurship where I talk about my journey as an entrepreneur and it highlights surf. All of mm -hmm. these things that I do outside of my day work, it all still connects back to surf. So for me, wow. that's how I keep my life organized, right? Is I have a North Star. I have this kind of vision. And obviously right now, the goal that I'm working at is this goal of leading to a paradigm shift in data and ownership and how people think about their data and everything mm -hmm. that I do, whether it's my full-time job or anything else that I do around it, directly ties back to my North Star. So, so as you just mentioned, you know, like, so while we are chasing one thing, how important do you feel it is to have a, you know, not, I wouldn't say social life, but uh, how important it is to have a, you know, these few hobbies, you know, how important, how important are those things to, you know, keep yourself in the right track in order to achieve your it's goals? A, it's very important. Again, it's, it's tough because even for me right now, like when I was putting my priorities for 2022 down, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's only a finite amount of time during the day, right? So it's hard right. for me to fit in too many hobbies. You know, I, I, Growing up, I loved playing volleyball. I loved playing cricket, like I was telling you before. I, I love playing basketball. I love dancing. But these aren't things that I sadly can prioritize in my life right now. Obviously, right now, we're as it is in a lockdown here in Toronto, so I can't even play basketball regardless. But, you know, for me, when I was writing down my goals, I wrote down, okay, number one is health. You know, can I eat properly? Can I sleep on time? Can I, can I work out every single day? At least 30 minutes of exercise, whether it's, you know, lifting weights, treadmill, going outside for a run, whatever it is. 30 minutes of exercise each day. That's number one. Then it's obviously my work with surf. Then it's, you know, getting better at the Formula One sim. And then it's maybe coming up with an idea, one passion idea that could be really interesting for a short film, documentary, movie. And I'm doing that with a friend of mine on the weekend. 
So those are my four goals for the year, right? And again, for me, there's so much more that I do, obviously, right? I have a book coming out. I have, I speak, I invest, I, I post on social media, but those aren't in my yearly goals because those are not priorities for me. Those are all secondary, you know? So if those things happen, if those things do well, then great. But I'm not going to look back at my year and say, shit, if, if, you know, things don't go well on the speaking front, for example, because that wasn't a priority for me going into the year. So to kind of answer your question, it's important to have hobbies, but again, you don't want to have too many as well where you become sidetracked. I think pick one to two that bring you the most happiness, the most pleasure, allow you ideally to connect with other people because that's always great. Um, and really try to go deep into it, right? For me, like sim racing, for example, I really got into it a year ago. I've really, I think, doubled down on it in the last two months. And mm-hmm. I've started to not only get better at sim racing, but I'm also meeting other people that are doing it and trying to get wow. deeper in the community. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really great perspective. Uh, so one last question before uh, we end this. I uh, So since you're in, uh, like I want this coming from a successful entrepreneur like you, and also, uh, you know, uh, like you said, you're writing a book. So I want to ask you uh, if there were three books that you would, you know, suggest someone uh, who's trying to, uh, I, I wouldn't uh, specify on who, but if you could suggest three really inspiring books that people should obviously give a read to in order to get a, you know, a larger perspective towards life in order to achieve success. Oof, that's tough. I mean, candidly, <laughs> I don't think I've read a full book uh, ever since I was like 20 or 21, but Uh, I think one of the books that is really good for entrepreneurs to read is Zero to One. Zero to One by Peter Thiel. It's a really good book, especially chapter four, where he talks about the the first mover advantage versus the last mover advantage. That's just a really cool idea for people to realize. You know, I think a lot of people, they come up with an idea, they go online and they, they are like, oh shit, someone took my idea already. But, you know, Peter Thiel talks right. about how first mover advantage isn't actually that important. What is really important is if you are the last mover in a space, that you really mm-hmm. shut up the crowd, essentially. You, you come up with the uh-huh. best idea based on the mistakes that the first movers have made and you accommodate right. for that. And we've actually seen that time and time again with some of the biggest companies in the world weren't obviously the first people to do what they do. Facebook, for example, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't the first, you know, company to be a social network. There was na- there was MySpace and there was Friendster and all of these other platforms that came before, but those platforms kind of fucked up in one or two ways. And that's where Facebook was able to capitalize on it. Um, nice. So I think that's one book. And then candidly, like, you know, I, I don't I, I think like how to win friends and influence people is just a good book generally for personal development, Dale Carnegie. Um, and I think the last book is The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F uh, by Mark mm-hmm. Manson. Right. I read a couple mm-hmm. chapters of that book. I didn't actually finish that book in, in you know full transparency, but the, the couple chapters that I did read on a plane, I just remember that being a really fun to read book. You know, his, 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 his language, the way that he uses words is so funny. And it, it mm-hmm. just is a very easy to read book, but it also is something right. that's quite profound when you're looking at yourself and how to not take yourself seriously. Mm-hmm. So, so you're not suggesting your, I mean, like, are you being humble or you're not putting your own book over there in the suggestion? No, 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 I would, I would, I would never do that. If you guys would like to check that out, go for it. But again, you know, the book comes out May 30th and it's all about, you know, starting a business while you're actually in school and how to go about doing that. But again, I think that the book candidly that we wrote, that we wrote it, it isn't, mm-hmm. you know, a funny to read book. It's more, I think, of a tactical guide. So I go really deep right. into like building the business, building even your own personal brand, networking, mental health. I talk a mm-hmm. little bit more tactically about it. It's more of like a how-to book than it is like a, you know, a Mark Manson type subtle art of not giving an F type book. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I, I I genuinely hope that becomes a, a bestseller and does influence a lot of people. Uh, so mm-hmm. our uh, chat has come to an end, Swish. Uh, so once again, thank you so much for taking time off. I know you're a very busy person, and I wish you luck and success with everything you're doing. It's really interesting stuff, and yeah, hopefully we'll meet uh, sometime uh, in India or in Canada or wherever. Absolutely, really appreciate the time again, and yeah, I mean, I love I love coming to India. I think the last time I came was for a talk two or three years ago in Mumbai, and. Generally, I find Mumbai to be one of the best places in the world, uh, and I want to obviously go around India even more. I've only gone to a few places in India, so I'm excited if I go again. I'll want to go to some other places as well outside the city. But thanks, thanks again for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Swish, and take care.